I'm going to read Romans chapter 6, verses 3 to 11. Hear now God's holy, infallible, and inerrant word. Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. For if we have been united with him in a death like his, we shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. We know that our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. For one who has died has been set free from sin. Now, if we have died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. We know that Christ, being raised from the dead, will never die again. Death has no longer any dominion over him. For the death he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life he lives, he lives to God. So you also must consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. Let's pray together. Lord, rather than trying to understand the mechanics of the manner of salvation, Lord, this morning would you help us to marvel at the mystery of what you have done for us in Jesus Christ. There are things in this passage that are deep things, deep mysteries that you have revealed to us through your word. We don't understand them fully, how they work and yet, by faith, we cling to them. I pray that your spirit would be with us, be with me, that I might speak clearly, um, and that through me, through my words, you might give us understanding by your spirit. Help us to cling to the truth, encourage us, and exalt your son, Jesus Christ. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. There is no single fact of the gospel no more significant event in all of human history than the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. The Apostle Paul said, I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation for everyone who believes. And that gospel hinges on the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. We just read it from... 1 Corinthians chapter 15, Apostle Paul said, If Christ has not been raised from the dead, your faith is futile and you are still dead in your sins. And each and every Resurrection Sunday, in fact, every Lord's Day, God's people gather together to celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the grave. It is the, it is the grounds of our hope. It is the basis of our faith. But why is that? What is so gloriously important about the resurrection of Jesus Christ? So necessary for us to understand and to believe. How can Paul say that this is of first importance, that apart from this, our faith is futile and that we are still dead in our sins? Well, this, this passage that Paul gives us in Romans chapter 6 is extremely helpful for us to understand this reality. The, 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 the import 
and the application of the resurrection to you and to me who are in Christ Jesus. And what the Spirit says is that through faith, we were raised with him and we are alive to God in him because of the resurrection of the dead. And that is our hope and that is our, the basis of our faith. Now, as Christians, there are, there are wonderful things that God tells us in his word and particularly with respect to the resurrection of the dead, uh, resurrection of Jesus. And um, there can be a, a disconnect between <clears throat> what we believe and in our own lives. We may believe in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. We may believe that he has ascended into heaven. We may believe that he has an interest in us. He's caring for us. And yet, the resurrection can feel like it's something detached, disconnected from our actual lives. Like it, 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 It's something that happened, a historical event that happened that's not really applied to us. But beloved, nothing could be further from the truth is what we'll see in this passage is this, this wonderful gospel truth that, of union with Christ, that we are united to Jesus Christ by faith. We are in him and he is in us. And as such, everything that he has done, not only has he done for us, but we have participated with him in it. And that's how we'll look at the passage of what Paul has to say is that we died with him we were raised with him, and as a result, we now share the power of his resurrected life with him. So we begin, we died with him. Jesus Christ really, truly died. He was tried. He was falsely accused. He was convicted of crimes that he did not commit. He was beaten. He was flogged. He was mocked, he was stripped, his hands and his feet were nailed to a Roman cross, and that Roman cross was lifted up in the sight of all people as a public display of disgrace and shame. And on that cross, he really died. He gave up his spirit. His heart stopped beating. His mental, his brain activity ceased. His lungs stopped breathing. They took his lifeless body off that cross. They prepared him for burial. They put him in a rich man's tomb. They rolled a large stone over the mouth of that grave. The Roman soldiers sealed up the stone and they set a guard out front. He was truly dead, and he was truly buried, and he did that for us. Jesus said, I am the good shepherd, and the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He did it out of obedience to his father to endure God's wrath for our sins. He was obedient to death, even death on a cross. He was tortured for us. He was mocked for us. He was shamed for us. He was crucified for us. He was buried for us. But beloved, it wasn't just for us. Because by faith, through faith, 
we were with him in those things. Look what he says in verse 3. Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death. We were with him in his death. When he was crucified, we were crucified too. That's how Paul can say, I have been crucified with Christ. That's how Paul can say later, verse 6, we know that our old self was crucified with him. We were with him on the cross. We were with him in the grave. He endured these things for us. And we were participants in them by faith. Not only do we die with him, but the good news, what's so wonderful about the resurrection is that we were also raised with him. Jesus Christ was truly dead, but he was raised from the dead. Death could not hold him. Death is is an effect of our sin. It is a result of our sin, but Jesus Christ was perfect in every way. He done nothing to deserve death. He gave himself to death for us. He was perfect in every way. He was obedient in every way. He suffered a perfect death to satisfy the perfect demands of God's perfect law. And he offered a perfect sacrifice in order to satisfy those law's demands. And God vindicated him and accepted his sacrifice, and that was evidenced by the resurrection from the dead. His body did not see decay because God raised him in the glory of the Father from the dead. And he will never die again. Death has no more dominion over him, Paul says. The tomb was emptied. The angels declared, he is not here. He has risen, just as he said. And he appeared to the women. He appeared to the twelve. He appeared to more than 500 people, the apostle Paul says. He was raised in the body. The women sought to cling to him. He showed his disciples the hands that were pierced for them. He ate with them. He was raised in the body, but the one who died is alive forevermore. And he did that. He was raised to life for for us because by nature we are dead in our trespasses and sins. He was raised to give us life, to be alive in God. He was raised in the body to give life to our moral bodies. But just as we were in him in his death, Paul says in our passage that we were in him in his resurrection. Verse 5, for if we have been united with him in a death like his, we shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. When he was raised from the dead, we were raised from the dead. You know, the whole story of Scripture is a story of representation, of of two great representatives for all people. There's Adam and there's Jesus, or the second Adam, 
And the story of Genesis tells how Adam, the very first man, the father of all humankind, sinned. He had the opportunity to be perfect, to perfectly obey God's law, to, on behalf of all of his descendants, to be perfectly faithful. And yet he wasn't. He sinned. And what Paul says earlier in Romans, Romans chapter 5, he says that when Adam sinned, we sinned. We were in him by the fact that he was our first father. And all mankind sinned in him and fell with him. And God had said, the day that you do this, you will surely die. When Adam sinned, sin entered the world through one man and death through sin because all sinned. And so we are dead in Adam. By nature, we are dead in our trespasses and sins. We are unable to please God in any, any which way. And yet the good news of the gospel is that God sent his son Jesus as the second Adam, a man born of the Holy Spirit, born without sin, who lived a perfect life of perfect obedience, who did not deserve death, but willingly gave himself unto death for the sake of his people, to bear that penalty that Adam earned for us, that we earned. And he laid them on himself, and he died for them, with them in him, was buried and raised for them. And so the, the message for us is that by nature we are in Adam. But we must be in Christ. His, his death, his resurrection as wonderful as they are, mean nothing to us unless we are in him. They must be applied to us. He died for his people. And that is our only hope. But for us who are in Christ Jesus, it's something true, actual, definitive, with power. We share in the power of his resurrected life. And Paul gives three key things that... that Christ enjoys now as a result of the resurrection of the dead. The first is he lives in the power of an indestructible life. It says that we know that Christ being raised from the dead will never die again. Death no longer has any dominion over him. Death really never had dominion over Jesus. But Jesus gave himself to its dominion to rescue us from that dominion. And Hebrews says that he's been raised now with the power of an indestructible life. Death has no claim over Jesus Christ because he's perfect. He's been vindicated and he is the king of kings. But secondly, he has freedom from sin. Jesus Christ has been raised freedom from sin. In verse 7 it says, The one who has died has been set free from sin. Um, and then in verse 10 it says, For the death he died, he died to sin once for all. Which may be a little perplexing to us because we know that Jesus Christ was never a sinner. He never sinned once. But what you need to know is that every sin of every one of God's people, God laid on Jesus Christ. He who knew no sin became sin for us. Your hatred, 
all your lust, your coveting, your apathy, your rebellious heart against the Lord, your disobedience to your parents, and every lawful, God-ordained authority, every one of those sins, the sins that you committed this morning, the sins you committed in your mother's womb, the sins you will commit on your dying day, each and every one of those sins was laid on Jesus Christ, and he became that sin, and he endured death as the punishment, the penalty, God's wrath was poured out on him because of that sin. But he died. He died, and that penalty has been paid, and he is free now from that sin. He no, there, There's nothing else that needs to be done for that sin. It has been fully paid for, and he is free. He, he canceled the record of debt by nailing it to the cross, Colossians says, in his body. Jesus Christ has done it. And as a result, says, the death he died, he died to sin once for all, but the life he lives, he lives to God. Jesus was set free from our sins and now lives in the power of the resurrected life. He's been given a crown of glory and honor. He dwells in the unapproachable light of God forever and ever with all authority and the name that is above every other name. And beloved, if we are in Christ Jesus, that power is ours as well. Because we have the power of that indestructible life. God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him what shall not perish but have eternal life. We have the power of his indestructible life. So we can say, death, where is your victory? Death, where is, where is your sting? We need not fear the grave because Jesus Christ was raised for us and we were in him. But also, we are free from sin. For the one who has died has been set free from sin. Beloved, if you are in Christ Jesus, you have definitively, actually, and truly been set free from sin. You are no longer a slave to sin. You may not feel that way. I know I don't feel that way. And yet it is absolutely and positively true. And we'll talk about that in just a minute. But he says, verse 6, we know that our old self, that old self that's in Adam, the self that is enslaved to sin, that can do nothing but sin, that old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. We've been given freedom to put, that, to put the sins in our hearts, in our lives, in our bodies to death. But not just freedom from sin, but freedom to God. 
He was, Jesus Christ was raised. He died to sin, but the life he lives, he lives to God. Verse 11, so you also must consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. In Christ Jesus, through the power of the resurrection, his resurrected life gives you the freedom now to glorify God truly, to enjoy him truly, to please God truly, and to experience his pleasure. And beloved, these things are for us who are in Christ Jesus. Now, I've been saying uh, through faith that these things are ours, but that's not, that's not what Paul says, is it? He uses a different phrase. He says, he uses baptism. Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death. And that's exactly true but maybe not the way that we think. Sadly, our minds rush to the sacrament of baptism. And there have been a lot of false teachings that have come out of this passage as a result of that connection, assuming that what Paul meant there was talking about the sacrament of baptism. But that cannot be what Paul is talking about. Because notice what the Spirit says about this baptism. This baptism saves it brings salvation. We were baptized into Christ Jesus. We're baptized into his death. We were buried with him. Just, and just as Christ was raised from the dead, we too might walk in newness of life. Through this baptism, we died with Christ. Our sins were paid for. Through this baptism, we were raised in Christ with new life. Beloved, that is the essence of our salvation. And we know that that can't be through baptism, the sacrament of baptism. For it is by grace that you have been saved, through faith. And this is not of yourselves, not by works, lest any man should boast. We are not saved by the work of baptism. Or else we would be baptizing a lot of people in order to bring them into the kingdom. But that's not what Paul means. What Paul means by this baptism is what the sacrament of baptism points to, the spiritual reality, which is entrance into and remaining in union with Christ. True union with Jesus Christ. Because notice how he, he shifts. He's talking about baptism. And then in verse 5, he goes, For if we have been united with him in a death like his, we shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. Beloved, this is, this is the, the beautiful truth of the gospel that we so often fail to grasp. Our salvation is not from ourselves in any way, but it is for us to be found in Jesus Christ. That we were in him. In his death. And in his resurrection. And that he now lives in us. To grant his power. His resurrected power. To work out our salvation. With fear and trembling. To persevere 
unto glory. And beloved, uh, Paul says in Galatians, he says, for as many have, who have been baptized have put on Christ. What he's talking about is a baptism of the Spirit to bring us into union with Jesus Christ. Do you remember what John the Baptist said? He said, I baptize with water, but one is coming who will baptize you with the Spirit, even Jesus Christ. That is the work of God in bringing us into union with Christ himself. Jesus becomes our clothing, our royal robes, our pure robes. He becomes our uniform as we are in him. He becomes our armor, and yet we become so one with him, so connected that he uses, Scripture uses the language of we are branches in a vine that will die apart from him. We are body parts in his body. We are his bride. One. Him in us and we in him for all eternity. And, and yes, the sacrament of baptism has a correlation to this. But what that sacrament tells us it is a visible sign and seal of this spiritual reality where God says, when you put your faith in my son, Jesus Christ, I will truly baptize you into him. Grab hold of Christ and I will put you into, his, into, into him. Now that faith that we cling hold of Christ is even there a gift of God. It is all of God from beginning to end. And so, and, and that sacrament, beloved, it is, it is all of faith. It is through faith that we are in Christ. It is through faith that we present ourselves in baptism to receive that visible sign and seal of God's covenant with us. But it's also through faith that we present our children because God says, this promise is not just for you. This is for you and for your children. Put your faith in Christ and you will be in him. And so, beloved, considering all these things, there is a true freedom. There is a true work that God does, has done in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. So I must ask, do you know this freedom that he speaks of? Do you know this freedom from sin and freedom to be alive to God? And if you have never put your faith in Christ Jesus, what you need to know is that you do not have this freedom. You are a slave to sin. You have no hope. You have freedom, but your freedom is restricted to your master. You are slaves to sin, and the wages of sin is death. And God says that there's nothing you can do to please him apart from faith. It's not one good work that is done outside of faith that is pleasing to him. And you might say, well, I've not murdered anyone, and I know plenty of people who are worse than me. That is not the standard, beloved. The standard is perfection. The standard is we may not have a single sin on our record. We must be perfect, spotless, and righteous. And the only way that we can have that is to have the record of our debt canceled 
in the body of Jesus Christ. The only way that we can have perfect righteousness is to be clothed with the righteousness of Christ. But the good news, beloved, is that that is why Jesus came. He came for sinners like you and me so that we could be found in him, so that we could die with him and be raised with him and to live with the power of this, his resurrected life as we make our way to glory and as our hope for glory. And so for us who are in Christ Jesus, I ask you, do you know this freedom and are you living with this freedom that you have been given? It is a definitive fact. You have been set free from sin and you have been made alive to God. Are you living that way? Or are you living like you're still enslaved? Beloved, here's what we need to remember. We will not have perfect victory on this side of glory. It will always be on this side of glory, a matter of clinging to Christ Jesus by faith that he will sustain us and he will work in us as we look ahead to our glorious hope. But there must be victory and there will be victory because we have been set free from sin. You can, if God is true, you can put to death the sin that dwells in your body. You can live in a way that's pleasing to him. We must, because we have a new master, a new Lord, a new husband who has come to rescue us for himself. But beloved, even, even still, we, we yearn for glory. And, and this gives us a glimpse of that glory, because even as we know that we are in him and we share in his resurrected life now, we have hope that we will be like him. Scripture says that a day will come when we are in his presence and there is perfect victory over our sin. Every one of those sins that you struggle with has been fully put to death and you are alive to God in his blessed presence forever and ever enjoying him every second for all eternity. And that is our hope, beloved. That is the glimpse of glory that we see in the resurrection, but we must be in Christ because he is the way. And all these things, beloved, all these things are ours in Christ Jesus. In Christ Jesus, beloved, we have been united with him in a death like his. We have been united with him in a resurrection like his. Beloved, as glorious as the truth is that Jesus did these things for us, we don't go far enough because we were with him when he died. We were with him in his resurrection. His death was ours. His resurrection was ours. And he is in us by his power. Beloved, you are dead to sin and alive in Christ Jesus. Live in the freedom that you've been given in Christ Jesus. Praise God, beloved. He is risen, and we were risen with him. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for telling us 
what you have done for us in Jesus Christ, oh Lord. Sometimes our faith is so weak and we are so ignorant of the facts of the gospel. Oh Lord, would you help us to grab hold, even with our sweaty and slippery fingers, grab hold of Christ, to find ourselves in him, clothe us with him as you've promised to do. Be faithful to your promise. Lord, we want to glorify you. We want to enjoy you. We thank you that you have given us a pathway to do that through the resurrection of Jesus from the dead. Help us to live in that resurrected life. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.